Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. Hey! It's new one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. You're having a great afternoon, evening. You listen to Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. You're going to be getting a full dose of me. We've already been rolling for an hour here on this show. Got an hour left. We're also going to roll right into the Missoula Paddleheads doubleheader tonight at Ogren Park Allegiance Field against the Idaho Falls Chuckers. And I'm going to head down to the stadium here about 20 minutes and be on the call for the color commentary as well. Jeff Safford, voice of the Paddleheads, be bringing you the play-by-play, so that should be very fun. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. We heard from Carolyn, our resident chick who does no sports, talking all about Alex Rodriguez's new concealer. I don't even know what concealer is, but Carolyn always... Swings by and gives us a good laugh. Also give you updates from state softball from across the state. Also some uh, news from earlier today. Sarah Pfeiffer, the new girls basketball coach at Missoula Sentinel. So she, she takes over for Karen Deaton. And uh, also just a couple other highlights of athletes doing great things around the state of Montana, including future Lady Grizz, Danny Barsh, being named the Montana Girls Basketball Gatorade Player of the Year earlier today. If you want to find anything from the first hour, you can find it on the podcast Podcast available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. It's probably presented by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, Blackfoot Communications, and Sports Bet Montana. Happy now to welcome in Jace Henderson, former Lady Grizz and now new Missoula Big Sky girls basketball coach. Jace, we haven't seen you in a while. How you been? I've 
been really good, Coulter. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's start with the here and now. The news, a uh, couple weeks old, I guess, maybe maybe a week or two old, that you're now the new girls basketball coach at Missoula Big Sky. So, um, I mean, you can't, how, how old are you? You're like 24, 25 years old, right? Yeah, 25. So this this is a, a, a great position for someone of your age. So tell us how this kind of all played out. I know you've been um, coaching the last couple of years for, for the Lady Grizz, and obviously uh, changing of the guard with the Lady Grizz basketball program. So uh, maybe a new chapter for you. So how did this kind of fall on your lap? Yeah, um, you know, with the change of leadership at the university, uh, I just wanted to continue and stay in coaching. Um, I... I love Missoula. I love the community. And um, I just knew that this was going to be home for my fiance and I, Jesse, for a while. So we started to kind of talk about what, what the next steps looked like. And I, you know, the position at Big Sky opened up. And I think that there is a great community there. And I just really enjoyed um, getting to know Sabrina Bede um, and the rest of the people there. And that really kind of hooked me into thinking this was a good opportunity for me. We have to say, you mentioned Jesse, Jesse Sims. She's And you have since gotten engaged since the last time I saw you, so congratulations. Thank you. That's very cool. Uh, how's Jesse doing? He's, I, I know a lot of people around here have always followed uh, his great career for the University of Montana as well, and uh, he's helping out with uh, out at Failer's Place now, right? Yeah, he's helping cool. coach out at Failer's and um, doing a lot more hunting and fishing than he got to do <laughs> during hey, football. <laughs> I'm sure he's loving that. Yeah. That's the best part about when uh, it's sad when your college career ends, but uh, when you actually get to have a little bit of a life and actually go fish, that's pretty that's pretty good. So I uh, give him our best. Uh, we always loved having Jesse around here on the show. I will. Um, what is, do you think is going to be the biggest challenge of taking over a, a high school program? I mean, do you have sort of a plan and a vision for what you want this program to become at Missoula Big Sky? Yeah, um, I think that there's challenges in any any program. Um, I think, you know, just looking at Missoula Big Sky right now, I think that there has been some change and turnover in the leadership the last couple of years. Um, and that can be hard to uh, create a standard and set um, accountability and um, expectations. But with that moving forward, I think that's just kind of the goal is to create a high standard and, and have high expectations of the, the athletes there, um, both on and off the floor. I think that that's my vision um, for Big Sky Girls Basketball, but um, so much more than just on the court success. Uh, I really want to watch them grow as as young women. The Missoula Big Sky, Big Sky is my alma mater, and Missoula Big Sky mm -hmm. has great uh, girls basketball tradition. I mean, in the, in the 80s, they had tremendous teams. They won a couple state championships in the late 1980s. And then under Marty Leibenguth, they were always very competitive and they also obviously had their peak run when the Tickle Sisters were playing and won a couple more state championships. I, th I think, actually, Big Sky has the second or third most championships in the history of Class AA. So they have good tradition, uh, but they've been struggling the last couple of years. So is there a way to sort of revive that, to sort of use some of the things from the past? I know I, mean, I know it's, it's kind of hard to tap into that, but people have wanted a high level of Big Sky before. So is, is there a way to sort of uh, bring that back around? Yeah, I think there's a great alumni base there at Big Sky, obviously that created some success, just the, the athletes that were playing during that time. Um, so, you know, reaching out to them, hopefully they can uh, maybe jump on board to kind of bring that spirit that we might need. Um, but also just, you know, recognizing that tradition um, is such a valuable thing in a program. I think that was something I loved about the Lady Grizz. Uh, but it, you have to continue to show up each day. That that tradition's history, and there's a future that we want to build. What are you most excited for about this position? 
Gosh, there's a lot of things. Um, I love coaching. I love the competitive atmosphere. I think that there is a lot of talent uh, coming in and at Big Sky that we can uh, grab hold. And again, like setting a higher expectation and I am a competitor, so I want to win championships, but uh, there's a process and how to get there. And so I think just doing things the right way and setting... Um, setting our, our foundation first is going to be the biggest goal. What do you think of open enrollment? Because that's something that exists in Missoula that doesn't exist in a lot of places in Montana. And it's been something that's been controversial <laughs> and something that people have sort of taken advantage of in certain ways too. So um, I, I know that it's, it, it is what it is, but it, it seems like it's something, a, a challenge that, that high school coaches in Missoula have to navigate a little bit more. Oh, totally. Growing up in Billings, when I got here, um, and started playing at University of Montana, I thought that was the craziest the thing. The craziest, right. Yeah, I just was so in awe because I couldn't have imagined even like having to consider West or Skyview. I just was a senior and sure. I just knew that. And you probably knew you were going to go to senior since you were a little kid, right? And right. so you just thought I was going to be a future Bronc, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I guess like just that thought process um, for an eighth grader to be kind of thinking almost about their future in that way, um, similar to college, obviously there's a lot more to that, but um, I think that's a little bit different for me. I, I don't know that that's necessarily what I like about it. Um, but there's also great options. And, you know, at the at the end of the day, it is what it is, like you said. So just got to make the best of it. Two new basketball coaches now in the city of Missoula on the girls' side, which is interesting because Karen Dean's an institution. I mean, she's been the coach at Missoula Central since I was in high school. So mm-hmm. she's been doing this forever and ever. So um, what do you think of that element? That, that must be sort of fun to know that there's going to be two new faces in the AA scene just in, in one of the cities. Yeah, no, and she's an incredible coach. So I'm really excited for her to take on Sentinel. And um, I'm excited to coach against a good friend of mine, Brady Henthorn. Um, it, it's just going to be a fun atmosphere to be in Missoula. I... Uh, heard from quite a few just Montana high school coaches just in the last week and just the community that's around it. I, I think that's something special about Montana basketball. For sure. Jace Anderson joining us here on Nuanas Now, former Lady Grizz basketball player, now the new head coach at Missoula Big Sky. When did you first know that you wanted to get into coaching? Because, I mean, you basically graduated from the University of Montana and, and joined staff right away. So you, you must have known, at least while you were playing in college, that you wanted to be a coach. But when did this first start becoming sort of a, a career aspiration of yours? Well, my dad was a college basketball coach at Rocky Mountain College. For a long time, right? For, yeah, yeah. So, um... Obviously, just growing up, doing camps with my dad, um, both my parents played collegiate basketball, so that was kind of always in the back of my mind. Um, But actually, I think what reinforced maybe why I want to be where I'm at now was uh, this last season, working with Mike Petrino, Jordan Sullivan, Nate Coville, incredible people um, in it for the right reasons. Uh, I have to give a, a, a... special shout out to those people because they've really instilled a lot of belief in me. And so I'm excited because that, that, you know, you, you go into life wanting to figure out your career and when you find a passion, it's pretty special. Coach Petrino will probably be a great resource for you too, just since he actually has more experience coaching at the high school level than he even does at the college level. He's a great high school coach mm-hmm. in Oregon for more than a decade. I was actually talking to Mike earlier today, um, and I think he's going to come by the show here in the next couple of weeks and, and we'll catch up with all good things uh, with Coach Petrino. But, uh, you, you probably lean on him a little bit just in terms of, you know, trying to craft just the ins and outs of what a program is like, right? Yeah, no, he uh, is awesome. He knows when to kind of keep me more lighthearted. I can be a little bit uh, fiery. Um, but then at the same time, like, he's just been a, a close friend, a great mentor. He pushed me as a player. Uh, I just really appreciate him. 
So you mentioned this this last year being a full-time assistant for the Lady Grizz. What was the biggest difference from when you were uh, not a full-time assistant, just working as a grad assistant, to, to then becoming a full-time assistant? Wow. Uh, crazy question, because there's like the backstory of it being COVID, you know? Right, so, totally. Um, but no, it was uh, it was challenging. There was lots that is thrown at you, but um, I love that challenge. I think that's like the one of the best parts about it is it, it never slows down. Um, and again, just working in a, a great team environment, just in, including our staff, uh, felt felt awesome. I felt like I grew, grew a lot. Jay Sanderson joining us. It's our coach's corner here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Going to go to the uh, Missoula Paddleheads here in about, oh, 50 minutes. First pitch, 6.05 from Logan Park, Legion's Field. So we'll have that coverage here on ESPN Missoula all evening as well. This last year, I think that college basketball was the sport that maybe, well, you don't you don't want to you don't want to overplay it. But both men's and women's basketball players at the collegiate level were had to operate at a completely different. We all had to change our lives a little bit, but the men's and women's basketball players it was a totally different deal. I mean, the NCAA they knew they had to have the tournaments because they knew they had to have the revenue. And if you don't have the revenue from the NCAA tournaments. Then all of a sudden you don't have championships for soccer or volleyball. They won't be able to pay for anything. College sports would have been gone, basically, uh, as we know it, if we wouldn't have gotten there. But still, it was um, it, it was a long winter to be sure. And yeah. I mean, I I I I, I haven't seen you know, I haven't seen Coach Decure live and in person in more than a year. I used to go to his office every week, you know, and, and I have run into Coach Petrino a couple of times, but it was just a totally bizarre year. So from your perspective, though, I mean, this must have been uh, quite the challenge to try to navigate a, a group of young ladies when you can't really do anything together. Right. Uh, and big shout out to them because they just worked. Uh, they were just so committed to making it possible for us to have a season. And uh, that was impressive to me at that age to just be so mature about that. But I think that, also, when you go through tough times like that, or maybe just like those obstacles and challenges, it, it does bring a group together differently. And and so going through a pandemic with a, a lot of great people, there's so many great memories within that year that, um, yes, it was difficult, but there's so much to celebrate. And um, yeah, Kylie, shout out to Kylie Froelich because she made that she's got a sense of humor that helped everyone. <laughs> you always got to have somebody that's going to keep it light to be sure. Last season, um, uh, a very interesting one from the actual competitive standpoint for the Lady Grizz as well. Coming into the year, uh, a lot of roster spots to fill. You guys had to to fill them in, in a, an unorthodox way. International players for the first time in, in Lady Grizz history. Junior college players for the... I mean, maybe there was one or two in, from the past, but it's always been sort of the standard program of recruiting high school girls from around the region and then building it up. And so you guys had to sort of go outside that mold purely out of necessity. So just tell us about that part. I mean, coming into the year, it must have been pretty stressful trying to put a roster together and make sure you have a t- you can field a team. Yeah, no, I mean, you need players to play games. Um, right. So that was obviously something when we uh, took on uh, that role back in the spring, we were just like, we got to get going on this. Um, and that was fun. It was fun recruiting people outside of this, uh, the United States, JUCO players, um, just opening up the recruitment of the Lady Grizz. I think that there's uh, a, a specialness to the uh, international player, special to JUCO. That, that's a different story. They bring something different to your team. So that was great to watch our team kind of bring them in and um, uh, just see the difference that Lady Grace hasn't really had much of. What was your favorite part about this last season? 
because we can obviously dwell on all of the the, the horrific nature of COVID, but uh, this was uh, probably uh, there was probably some rewarding parts of this as well. Uh, I don't think I can pick a favorite, um, but I can give you one of my one of my favorites. Um, I grew up watching Jordan Sullivan play right. a lot, and um, then I was coached by her. And if anyone knows Jordan Sullivan, she's the most fiery competitor. Oh yeah passionate person um, and I admire that a ton about her and then getting to work with that person who's been you know just a role model mentor coach that was really cool um, and I, I saw a sassy side to her that I, she had. <laughs> that's awesome it was so so remind me of this were any of the girls on the current roster this last season did you play with any of them Oh yeah! Oh gosh! Several of several of them, almost right? half. Yeah, it, no, probably half. So was half. that an interesting experience going from sort of like the older girl of the group, and then all of a sudden now you're on the coaching staff? Yeah, I asked Carmen Gfelder that on the road one time while we were driving. I was just like, "It like is it hard for you? Or like be honest with me and." She was like, well, not really. I felt like you kind of bossed us around when you were, <laughs> when you were a senior anyways. So, I, I mean, I don't think so. And and she has, there is some truth to that. I mean, I, I felt like I was a little bit older too than a lot of the sure. team I played with. So, um, yes, there's obviously that, that transition is different, but I, I think that there was a great relationship with all my teammates to be able to make the transition well. Obviously tough uh, with the, the circumstances with the fact that when uh, Shannon Schwinn's contract was not renewed, they basically gave Mike Petrino the job for a year and said it's easy to be an interim status, and then we're going to open this up for a national search. I know all you guys wanted to stay, and everybody wanted to be uh, on that staff, but what do you think now of sort of this new chapter for the Lady Grizz? Brian Holsinger in place, and uh, it seems like you guys are all landing on your feet too, which is a good thing, and this is a great opportunity for you now to be the Missoula Big Sky coach. But what do you think of just sort of uh, this next chapter of the of the Lady Grizz moving forward here? Uh, so excited. I just, um, I have to say that when you're an alumni, you just have a different feeling about a place. For sure. Um, so my heart is always with that program, and I'm really excited to watch them be successful. I'm just... I think Brian made an incredible first decision by keeping Jordan on. Um, and I'm just looking forward to watching uh, what Brian's leadership does for the program and just watching them continue to build on the, the success of last year. Jace Anderson joining us. She's the new Missoula Big Sky girls basketball coach. Talking all things hoops here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Uh, one, of the news, one of the pieces of news of the day uh, was Danny Barsh being named Montana uh, Gatorade Player of the Year for women's basketball. So you probably had a, a, a hand in recruiting Danny Barsh. So give people just sort of a preview of what the Lady Grizz are getting because, I mean, she's a she's a great athlete with a lot of upside. Yes, upside is a great, great thing to start with Danny um, because I just think she's hit the surface of where she can be at. Um, she's got a, a great frame, physical, um, has great touch around the rim. I think that uh, she's really developing her versatility to be um, a shooter from the outside and consistent rebounder, consistent defender, um, So and an athlete. Great so, athlete. Yeah. yeah, so that's where you know you see that and you, you want to get those players in the state of Montana. And then uh, she's goofy and she comes from a really competitive family. So that's, that's always a plus when you get a good person. The transition from... Uh, she was such a great volleyball player too, and that's actually your backstory as well, right? You actually came to the University of Montana to play volleyball initially before joining the women's basketball team. How much do you think playing volleyball at a high level helps? Because it seems like there's there's pretty good crossover. Yeah, uh, it's just different. I I like think that volleyball has a different 
atmosphere to it, but so much of it is transferable in terms of like, like footwork and just little things like that. Aggressiveness. Um, they're so different in skill sets, but, uh, I just loved the energy of volleyball and the the one thing that volleyball doesn't have that basketball is way better is just physicality. You get to be physical. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Jason Anderson joining us here in studio. Last question for you then as we circle back around to now your new position as the Missoula Big Sky Girls coach. What's what's the summer like? Are you going to have some camps or what's what's the... uh, the next couple months look like as you as you sort of make this program into your own. Yeah, so with the news last week, um, kind of really getting rolling into looking at the schedule right away. Um, so we're gonna do a couple team camps here in the state of Montana, just uh, looking, trying to get going on that as fast as possible, and then also have our own um, Big Sky Girls Basketball Camp uh, June 21st through the 24th. Um, so that will be great to just see all the the young girls in the community that want to come to Big Sky and, and get better. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the month of June. Stay tuned for that. We'll, uh, anything that uh, they put out as announcements, we'll put on our social media as well. And uh, if you have young ladies that want to participate in those camps, we'll certainly show you how. Jace, thanks so much for swinging by. This has been fun. Yeah, it has been. Thank you, Coulter. Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television. I'm exiting the studio, so if you're listening on uh, or watching on TV, I'm not going to be in this chair for the rest of the show, but you'll see me on SWX here in a minute because I'm heading down to Ogren Park Allegiance Field on the color commentary for the Missoula Paddleheads this evening. But up next, Don Wetzel. He is the grandson of Blackie Wetzel, who the great Blackfeet chief for the former Washington Redskins and now the Washington football team's logo was once rendered after. We did this interview a little less than a year ago, but I think it's a fun one and an important one, so we're going to replay that for you. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio Missoula. Well, we're very happy now to be joined by uh, a couple of guests here on the show. Don Wetzel Sr., who uh, played for the University of Montana Grizzly men's basketball team in the late 60s and early 70s out of Cutbank, Montana, one of the great, great basketball players for the Montana Grizzlies, and Ryan Wetzel as well, his son, who is a friend of the show, I think I could say, Ryan, at this point. We're happy to have you back on as well, but a lot of stuff to cover here. Uh, this is, uh, we're, we're excited to have you here on the roundtable because this is an exciting uh, a story. I know it's a difficult 
difficult story at times, but also a story that for folks who don't really understand everything that has gone into the the Washington football team's logo and icon that they have used, uh, you know, most recently and has been part of not just the Blackfeet Nation, but your family specifically, uh, uh, Ryan and Don. We wanted to delve into that stuff and also talk about, you know, the, the playing basketball back in the 60s and the 70s in the state of Montana and coming from Cutbank to Missoula and what that was like, Don. So we wanted to cover all that stuff, but we appreciate you being here. How are you both? We're doing great, yeah. Ryan. We appreciate you uh, having us come on. Uh, you know, just thankful to, to be able to have an opportunity to kind of let Dad share his insight on everything and, you know, me here to just kind of ride along and, and also share a little bit on my end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's start with the basketball stuff. Uh, obviously, a tremendous basketball playing family. And Ryan, you're you know a great player over the years as well. But Don, you uh, you were outstanding in your time as a player, both at Cutbank, a state champion there, and then also uh, with the Montana Grizzlies, four years uh, spent uh, at the University of Montana. I believe it was 68 to 71, something in there, if I've got my numbers about right, as well as being the, your senior. You're the MVP of the team. What was it like for you at that time? How did you get the basketball bug? What was it that that, that game got into you? Because you were good at a lot of sports, Don. Well, you know, I I, um, I think being um, I, I was raised on uh, the uh, Blackfeet Reservation, a place they call Seville Flats, and um, pretty desolate country. And we had three buildings there, and growing up. Um, I built a uh, gym in a little granary I had and um, started shooting a, a little ball into a, um, I believe it was a commodity tomato, U.S. commodity tomato can. <laughs> that I cut out. <laughs> and I had a little <laughs> a little ball and I... I'd, I'd spend seven, eight hours a day out there, and pretty soon, uh, you know, I would I would uh, use everything. Uh, we we as a family, and you know, go up to the old chicken coop. My mom provided me with those little um, goofy balls, and she made me throw the ball off the chicken coop. And I had this glove, and I'd have to try and chase that thing down. Now that's that's pretty cool when you're about six years old. And so every part of the, um, the, the homestead, we even built a baseball field and friends from cup bank would all come out and play with the ball at the old ranch. And, um, so I, I had a lighting, um, especially for basketball because I would spend hours in that gym, and I knew every one of my favorite players was um, Will Chamberlain, just because of his jump hook and his floater, who I stole from Will Chamberlain. But I knew them all out there, and I'd keep score, and then I'd figure out a game. Uh, I'd play my left hand against my right hand, taking me about two hours, so... You know, I, I grew up 
um, with uh, really not much to do, but finding a lot of stuff to do, with, and the, and the ball was a big part of that, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Don, I, yeah. I find I find the connection between. Uh, Native American culture, particularly in the state of Montana and the sport of basketball, to be fascinating. I remember when I first moved to Montana back in 1993, one of the first Sports Illustrateds I ever got was the iconic Sports Illustrated that had Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson on the cover for the Dream Team. But it had an article in that Sports Illustrated called Shadows of a Nation by Gary Smith, one of the great sports stories, in my opinion, ever written. And it was all about Basketball on the Indian reservations in Montana. I think you actually might have even been mentioned in the story, but the primary character, Jonathan, takes enemy. But he t- I mean, they talked yeah. about Elvis Old Bull and, and a lot of the, the legendary uh, Indian basketball players in the state of Montana. Why is that? Well, what do you think the connection is between uh, the, the culture that you grew up in on the reservation and the sport of basketball? Well, you know, um, the sport of, you know, if you go, if you look back in history, like the Mayans, and you go back a long way, 25,000 years, and, and the Mayans had a game where they actually had a hoop and had a ball and shot it in that hoop. And so the ball and the Indian traditions uh, have been together for a long time, and and, he, and Naismith invented the game of basketball, of course. But if you read his history, his his favorite sport was uh, lacrosse, and he wanted to find a, an indoor game, I guess, to to play, and he loved the ball and the hoop, and he read all that Indian history on how the Indians did use that in, in, a, in a lot of our traditions. So it's been there. Don Wetzel joining us along with his son Ryan here on the ESPN Roundtable. And uh, Don, a great, great basketball player, both at the high school level at Cutbank and then for the Montana Grizzlies uh, as well. And I wanted, I heard this. Now you tell me if this is true, Don. You broke into the gym in Cutbank. You had to actually do B and E to get in there so that you could go play basketball and work out. Like maybe when it was cold out and stuff. Is this true? Yeah, but the best part is um, I'd have to go to. We had train tracks about I'd say a mile from my house before we got to the main highway. And those trains had to stop there at an old granary. And every now and then, I could hook one of them in the cut bank and (laughs) come flying off like a crazy man as I crossed that bridge. But no, you know what? Yeah, I did break in the gyms. (laughs) And uh, they couldn't keep me out, you know. The cops would come and run my ass out of there, but then I'd go break in the big gym. And, and the thing is, um, there's a couple times that I I slept. This is crazy, man. I did sleep in the gym a few times and so I could get up and start firing that ball, see? 
But yeah, I did that at the University of Montana at my floor. Uh, I had some wild athletes on my floor and if it got too out of hand, I would actually go sleep in the old Dahlberg gym uh, locker room. Well, I'll tell you what, it is, it's remarkable, and for for what you became as a basketball player, maybe it's no surprise, the dedication that you had and the love. I mean, at this point, it's nothing, you have to say, it's not just dedication, it's not motivation, it is love for the game of basketball that you had uh, that would, would push you to go work as hard as you did and just stay on it the way you did. Get, tell us quickly, what, what do you remember about your time at the University of Montana? What was it like playing for the Grizzlies at that time? Uh, you know, for you and obviously a very successful and unbelievable career that you had at Montana. Well, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I hurt my knee in 19, uh, when we, we were heading in the last conference game and I popped my knee and it was a bad knee injury. So I went to you and um, played on a freshman team. And, and well, I shouldn't have been playing. I, I might have been redshirted at that time because after every practice and every other game, I'd have to get my knee aspirated. And that Dr. Curry at you, you know, he'd just be waiting for me and pull that stuff out of my knee. And I just kept going with I probably should have took some time off, uh, but I I didn't. So I played hard for them, and and one of the things that um, was very um, I talked to an old friend of mine who played on the team. It was the fact that you know we all signed on to play for Ron Nord. Uh, Ron Nord had great attitude, smart man, then he quits. Uh, so we went through three head coaches in my four years there. And God, I went from shooting guard to, to point guard. I'm going to give you an incident that happened that I think you guys got to know. We had an awful good team when I was a sophomore. Uh, I was playing opposite a guard by the name of Harold Ross. And Harold Ross was from Seattle and was one of the best players I ever played with. And we go down to Utah. He outguns old Mike Newland, you know, 38 to 39 points, some damn thing like that. And I broke my nose. And because I tried to guard that monster, that new element. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we had a guy by the name of Henry Saunders, a black kid. He goes downtown over uh, Christmas, I believe. We had to practice. And he gets caught. I don't know how to say this. But shoplifting. Yeah. And so he said he didn't do it. Blah, 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 the whole thing goes. And all of a sudden, we lose uh, Harold Ross. I think uh, Willie Chet, Willie, I can't remember, but we lost four damn good players who walked off that team. And Harold Ross was one of them. And, and you don't hear much of that, that protest. 
And I think we had a shot at Weaver State that year. And uh, after that happened, it collapsed because Ross was a guy keeping us going. He could find me. I never had a guy find me open like that. So that that was devastating, man. And uh, a lot of the kids quit, but there was shit we stuck on. I think old Ray Howard was playing with me, but we didn't win that many games. But boy, um, that crew that ended the seniors all had the heart, man. I mean, because it was a rough goal. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, we we appreciate the memory, and it's good to have stories that we haven't heard before that we're not familiar with and understand some of what took place at that time. We appreciate that, Don. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, some, hearing some of these old school stories because I think one of the, uh, the great parts of, of Native culture in general is just the way that the stories are passed down. And anybody that follows... Ba- Native basketball in Montana. They they know the stories of all the legends that came before them and all the guys that are contemporaries now. But when you were growing up, you know, w- with the prestige your dad had, but also just how many great basketball players there have been from the reservations in Montana, how did that influence you? And what sort of um, way did that help pave a path for, for your basketball, uh, your life in basketball? Well, it was pretty easy. I'd- I was surrounded by a bunch of great athletes, you know, my, my siblings, my dad, my uncles, you know, my grandfather, you know, a lot of people don't know my great uncle's uh, Hall of Famer at the University of Western, Jess Wetzel. And, you know, he's he's one of those kind of guys you, you don't hear too much on, but, you know, it's just another one of those guys, part of that legacy. And, you know, and then just for me coming up, my dad would always be coaching. So we'd have guys, you know, I knew Chris Boya, Kurt Walker, you know, all these UM legends back when they were in middle school because um, they were the same age as my older brother Donnie Jr. So, you know, these guys were staying at our house all summer long going to tournaments and stuff when I'm, you know, five, six, seven years old. And then, you know, with guys coming on the scene like J.R. Camel, he was just one of those guys in my kind of generation where how athletic he was, how quick he got to the rim uh, coming straight from the res. Uh, he just popped up and here he went. And, you know, that was one of my guys kind of where I was like, holy crap, this guy's got the game. You know, he knows, he knows how to play. And so it was just, it was just all part of that accumulation of things. And then just constantly being around just standout players from the state of Montana and the reservations. I mean, I could go on and on. We've seen some of the uh, best basketball teams in the state, even still now, uh, teams with with uh, a bunch of Native American guys or, or even teams from reservations. I mean, Harden was a mini dynasty in Class A last couple of years. But Browning's been really good. Lodgegrass has been really good. R. Lee obviously had their phenomenal run, playing in three straight state championships, winning back-to-back. Do you feel like the legends of the past still resonate with kids of today? The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home
Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. You go into any of these gyms throughout the reservations, you mention certain names and people will get it right away. Even the surrounding communities to these reservations. Um, you know, it was always fun to see, you know, when a Harden would roll into town back in my day at Billings Central, they'd be playing, you know, Billings West and half the gym was crows from crow country. And, you know, you just watch out, you know, class A school come into these double A powerhouses with you know, nothing but res ball run and gun. And, and it was just highlight after highlight. And you would hear people echoing, oh, man, it looked like, you know, George Yellow Eyes or, of course, Elvis Old Bull. You got David Bell up from Fort Belknap, um, Richard Dion from Poplar, Montana, won two uh, world titles with the CBA, uh, Yakima Sun Kings. You know, you got these kids that get to look up to these kind of guys and, and the culture of basketball in the reservation is, is about as strong as it gets, you know, with this Harden team and, and Lodgegrass teams and Browning and, you know, Rocky Boy and Box Elder. I mean, you could just go on and on how, how many wonderful basketball programs are out there right now in Montana reservation. Ryan Wetzel and Don Wetzel Sr. joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. And we've talked a lot of basketball, guys, but there's uh, uh, another topic of conversation here that we need to get to, and that is uh, what has gone on recently here with the the now Washington football team and the icon that they have had uh, for years now, which is n- not just uh, uh, an icon from or a logo from the Blackfeet Indian tribe, but actually from your family, your your uh, paternal lineage, uh, Ryan and Don. And Don, I know that this has been something that has been uh, near and dear to your heart. That this has been something uh, that that has been a source, I think, of great pride and also of of, of consternation at times as well. And for us on the outside, we don't really know all the insight of what's going on and how things have, you know, progressed both with the, you know, the logo in the first place, how it came to be, and now with its removal and what that has, what that has been. And you guys know this firsthand. So tell us, tell us about this story and, and, and how this logo came to be part of the NFL and the, and the, uh, the Washington franchise. Okay. I'm going to let Ryan, Hit that. Yeah. No, and, you know, the story's already been kind of reiterated out there and told in, in various dynamics, but the important thing is to know is the the prestige and the level of, of knowledge and, and gratitude of, of my grandpa, Walter Blackie Wetzel. The guy is a real deal. He was, he was so charming, charismatic, and he just had a, a vision. He was a visionary. And, you know, back in that time, a lot of people didn't know, you know, American Indians as citizens were really, uh, they weren't um, um, considered even right. in that time. And it was a challenge for, for, for Indian people to be recognized. And for Grandpa, you know, his whole push was to help Indian country. Uh, he was a bridge builder. Non-native and native all had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. And for him to step in the scene and do what he did politically, climbing the ladder so quick, becoming friends of Robert Kennedy. Uh, we're talking friends of John F. Kennedy, our president. Uh, we got pictures hanging in our houses of him and hanging out with Lyndon Johnson. Um, but, you know, even going farther back, he was a three-sport standout at the University of Montana. You know, grew up right there in Browning, Montana, tough life. But to climb the ladder and be where he's at 
to finding this this profile of this Indian and going in and, and saying to the Redskins organization, this is what I'd like you to put on that helmet instead of this R, if you could put this on here, this profile of a, of a warrior, you know, that is what I would like to see done if you're representing my people. And he did it. And that, that right there and that story for our family has been so cherished, so loved and, and appreciated. Nothing to do really with the name part of it, but more so the logo. And that's where the conflict always would happen is you'd hear Wetzel name, logo, and then the name would get tossed into the mix with that Redskins name. And it was never our our deal on that end. It was just the logo. Blackie was a good, humble, powerful man. And... Um, and he didn't have a single enemy. You know, I wanted to state that. No. He didn't care what color, what... I mean, I guys, I ran into... Um, John Lewis had just passed away, the activist. Yeah. Yeah. My cousin and I were coming back from D.C., and John Lewis was walking with his security guards to the to the airport, or the terminal, and, and I go, geez, and I look at my cousin, I say, look, that's John Lewis, man. And we go over there, we start shooting the breeze with him, and... I mentioned Grandpa's name. I said, do you ever hear of a Walter Blackie Wetzel? Because Grandpa told the story of when he was in D.C. over the Million Man March. And Martin Luther King met with him and said, you Native Americans need to come with us and march. And, and Grandpa said it wasn't, it wasn't his time to lead his people. And, and so I mentioned that story to John Lewis. And John Lewis, when I said, you know Blackie Wetzel and explained who he was, he looked at me and goes, I remember him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Hmm. <laughs> so that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he, my dad, um, that logo has been on there 40 some years, 48, I think somebody said. But, you know, the Redskin name goes back about 150 years. And, you know, it goes through, it goes through the town of Boston. It goes. Uh, somebody said, one of the Redskins uh, people had told me that, well, you know, uh, Jim Thorpe, uh, Samson Bird, who happens to be my cousin, who played for Carlisle, that Jim Thorpe was involved in, well, all that's BS, you know. Not, I mean, so that Redskin name goes way back. And... Um, the logo is is just forty two years old, and that and that puts us kind of in it. I don't think it, the Redskin name bothered my father because I I saw an old junior high photo of a uh, I won't say the town, but it's way back in fifty something that the name of them were the Redskins, and um, so I don't think he, Blackie just went. One, he, he wanted that logo basically to unite the Red Nation, to unite Indian people with the circle. Everything's involved in that. You know, when when this story first broke, and we know that there's been talk and, and even pressure put on for Daniel Snyder to change the name, to change the logo perhaps over the years and he's never really done it. Then all of a sudden, you know, 
the winds of change or whatever, and all of a sudden, in, in like you know a week, all of a sudden it's just gone and it's all taken down. And Coulter and I, when that that first happened, had this very you know this this duplicitous, I guess, kind of conversation where when you take a look at the name, you can certainly understand why or where that would be something that. You, you maybe want to or should change, and, but then also that the the logo and the image that was used always felt so very respectable and so uh, you know as as a great icon and and an, an homage to uh, you know to the Blackfeet, but also to Native Americans in general nationwide. Is that how you see that, or how do you feel about that in general in terms of the way that this progressed in the last you know month? You know, I think it's really important to emphasize that, you know, we had, you know, our whole support for Grandpa was 100% just of what he accomplished. The name thing, we can we can understand that to a degree. Um, but the important thing, too, is, you know, we, we wish there was a little bit more consideration of involving the heads of Walter Blackie Wetzel, the head of his estate, his family members, myself and my dad and some other members, you know, just being even just informed, hey, you know, if, if we would have heard something, if there was something along the lines of, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline, we, we are so thankful for what, you know, your grandfather did for the Indian people, for the Redskins organization, you know, just any type of, you know, involvement on that end would have been really appreciated. But the way that it was handled and how quick it went, it was it was kind of heartbreaking because, you know, they're still the living children of this man who have accomplished great things and, and had inspiration because of their dad. And, and to have it just go and boom, it's gone and see you later and, and no kind of regard on that end. It was it's been a little bit hard. You and know, so, and Don, so nobody from the franchise or from the organization ever reached out to you or anybody else in your family ab- about this during this process. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you something about those Redskins. Um, I uh, I wasn't doing very well, and I went back in 2014, and, and I saw some things, and uh, me and my son Christian spotted them. Uh, the next time we went out, I sent Ryan, but no, they, look, man, you got this guy, and all of a sudden, he's sitting there, and he says, hey, that's my logo on there. That's that's my chief, is what he said. And, hey, look, they're using it. And so all that transpires in... Uh, you got to hear my Uncle Earl's oral review on that because it's really good, Dr. Earl Barlow, but we'll get into that. But then then within two weeks, he received, um, I believe, three, four helmets mm-hmm. and um, a garbage can that was yellow that had the R on it. That was the old R that Lombardi put on there. So they haven't even sent anybody to his funeral. Finally, I wrote them when my brother Mike died. I said, you sons of bitches. It, it, quite bring this trinkets and beads bullshit. You know, sending us this, these helmets and all that shit. 
And I says, when Mike died, I says, don't send us another helmet. If I see one of them, I'm going to fire it right back to you. So that that's kind of where it's at. You know, there's there's that upset of just not really concluding in the right way. It's just no. taken and, and then used and then just kind of thrown away after all these years with no kind of regard for, for my dad. And his it it, it sort of feels like take a number, right? Like, okay, we got the thing we needed. Here's a, here's a helmet. Have a nice day. You know, and but no actual yeah. Yeah. consideration about what you know what this means to the group of people who brought it to them. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah. real quick is you know, Blackie was a boarding school kid, and their stories. You know, he didn't go to boarding school at five, as one of my relatives have said. He lived with relatives at the boarding school, Cup Bank Boarding School. But Blackie has got a heck of a story for somebody like Clint Eastwood to grab onto. And I'll tell you why. The boarding school system was set to take the Indian out of the Indian and make us white and make us farmers and all that. And so here's old Blackie. They put him in boarding school. He's 12 years old and he's at Haskell. Uh, educational facility in Lawrence, Kansas, and he escapes from there, gets a freight train and another buddy, and ride that freight all the way to Laurel, Montana, and home. Like he was 12 years old. Wow. That's gonna be some character right there. Some drive. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is really amazing. And the way he climbs through getting the National Congress of American Indians presidency is an unbelievable read for any judge, any politician, any of these highfalutin junior Trump guys. Read how that guy got that presidency, right, Ryan? Well, I understand the dynamic uh, between your family and, and the, um, it seems to me, disrespect that they've showed you guys or, or maybe just lack of engagement whatsoever. Uh, but just from a broad perspective, I mean, the, to me, what has gone on recently uh, is the culmination of a bunch of events that are both, I think, uh, positive for the United States of America, but also not as well. You know, the, the Redskins yeah. name itself has been controversial for decades and uh, i think yeah. that the logo itself has been on one hand a great homage uh, to your culture but on the other hand uh, something that's been debated widely as well but to me the only reason that the ownership of the washington redskins changed a thing was because of money and because of the climate that we're currently living in and i think the climate that's pushing for change is good but the obsession with money is is horrendous, and I think that that's a very sad truth in terms of the the changes that they made. So, I mean, you guys want to be honored as a family, no question. But what do you think of just the removal of the logo and the changing of the name in general? You know, again, I think that change is, is good. It's inevitable. Um, you know, from from my perspective, I kind of saw this 
coming. I didn't see it as quick, but again, you know, things change, you move on. Um, from that aspect, it is, it is what it is. Um, but for, for the family and the relatable sense of that logo and here, it's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.